worthy, valuable perfection. Good morning, Connection. My name's Colton, and uh, I want to welcome you to Connection. If this is your first time, uh, it's going to be a little bit different because I'm up here, not Matt. Like Matt's our uh, Griswold's our lead pastor. I'm our intern here, uh, and he's given me the opportunity to preach this week. God's glory, my glory, or God's glory. What? That's the question today. Is it about us? Is this world about us, or is it about? Showing God's glory. So, uh, if you guys want to go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we'll be there in a little bit. So, uh, here in America, especially in the, we're a me-centric country. Like, we're all about me, what I want, what I can get what my ple- my pleasure, all that. As long as it makes me happy, then that's what I want. I know I'm constantly making things all about myself, and I and I fight with this all the time. And I think, oh, God's made the things for me. Like God told us to enjoy the earth, right? So it's all about. Us. I know in my marriage, I make things about myself way too much. I know when Christina asks me to do something, which is, Christina is my wife, and she asks me to do something, I always think, well, what can I get out of it, right? That's that's how we work. We give and take, right? But should we be that way? And it's been like this. For a long time, I mean, even, not even that long ago, only like, what, 450 years ago, there were, we used to think that the earth was the center of the universe, right? We thought everything revolved around us. But, there was this guy, comes up and says, hey, we're not the center of the universe, I think the sun is, and guess what? No one wanted to believe him, right? And 50 years later, Galileo comes in into play and says, hey, this guy was right. We're not the center of the universe. The sun is, and this is why, and gives reasons. And I mean, and immediately, us as a, like a human, I was like, well, that's not, that can't be true. And I, she, Galileo was a Christian at that point. And then they shoved him out of church, put him in prison, and said, well, we're still the center of the universe. And we see how that kind of turned out for us, right? We're not really the center. The idea of us not being the center is almost, was almost unthinkable back then. When I was re- going through this stuff, God kind of sh- showed me some other people's ideas and it's like kind of hit me in the face here. Uh, God's job is not to make me happy. It's not to make you happy. It's not to make our lives easier. It's about something completely different. You might ask, 
what's God's job then? I mean, he made us, so it should be about us, right? But, that's not the case. And that's going to bring us to our first blank in our handout. Your, uh, our first impression, people probably gave you one as you came in the door. Uh, if you want to open up to the middle, you can have some blanks to fill out. And we can go through. First one is God's job is to bring glory to himself. Well, this kind of seems self-centered, doesn't it? Seems like God's all about himself, right? I, I took it that way. Uh, oh, God's like, oh, look at me, guys. But shouldn't, he, shouldn't we be that way anyways? He did create us, you know. It's not like we just popped out of thin air and he happened to be here first. No, he, he created us and each and every one of us. So, God's to-do list is not to make us happy. The only thing that's on there is, how can I bring glory to myself? He seems like, it just seems like an e- egomaniac kind of person could say that. But how can I bring glory to myself? How can I make myself look better? I mean, I think that all the time. How can I make myself look better? How can I be better than what I was? Or how can I make myself look better? Because, you know, I'm really not a good person. You know, all deep down, without Christ, I'm not good. So, God doesn't want to bring himself glory just for himself. The only way, the reason he wants to, he wants to bring people closer to him and the only way to do that is show his own glory because he is completely good. So, when without Christ in our life, we can't be good, right? So, we have to become kind of like the... I, I like this example that I read not too long ago. We have to be like the moon. So the moon has no light of its own, right? The only way it, you can even see it is the fact that the sun reflects light off of it. And then that comes up and that's the only way we're going to ever see it. And just the same way as the moon reflects the sun, we need to reflect the sun. So we need to be just like Christ and, bring, and follow him in every step. So, the sun reflectors are going to be kind of a theme as we go through here. Going to realize how much we have to be like Christ. So, we're going to turn, or we're going to look on the screen first. And 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. It says, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. So, 1 Corinthians, just a little background, was written by Paul. Used to be Saul. Changed over. Been, was one of the best Christians that probably ever walked the earth. And this is probably one of the boldest statements he ever said. He says, to imitate me. This is not saying that he is good. This is not trying to point out that, oh, look at me. 
I, I do this good. No, he's giving them a, another example because he says, I'm so, I push myself to be so much like Christ that you can follow me and not worry about it. I mean, I'm getting as close as I can to being perfect without getting there because I'm still a human. But I'm so close that if you're following in my footsteps that you're getting closer to being like Christ. Could you say that statement? I know I couldn't. There's no way that I want somebody falling directly behind me because I'm going to lead them astray sooner or later. I might be able to do that for eh, a week, maybe. Maybe probably more like a day. But as soon as they follow me, I find something I want or I want to do that doesn't line up with Christ. And I go for it, right? Because it's all about me. So, we're going to look back a little bit farther in chapter 9 of Corinthians before we go into chapter 10 here, just to kind of get a little background of what Paul's talking about, because, you know, this stuff wasn't broken up into chapters like it is now. So, if you want to go ahead and look at this on the screen, chapter 9, verse 22 and 23, it says, "...when I am with those who are weak, I share in their weakness." For I want to bring weakness, bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find the common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything I, I do everything to spread the good news and share in the blessings. So, this kind of sets us up for what we do here at Connection. Here, he wants to try. He says. I find common ground on everyone. Whether it's someone being strong. Paul had an advantage here. He was both a Roman citizen and a Jew. And then he became a Christian. So he could relate with a lot of different people. And he challenged himself every day to be like other people. Or find common ground with other people. Do we do this? Do I do this enough? In a couple of verses before this even, Paul's describing why he, what he does. He eats with the people. He, he comes like the strong to become like, like... He comes strong to bring the strong in because... If you find that common ground, people begin to begin to listen to you, right? So he realized this way before, right off the bat. You know, I have to be, I have to relate with people, and do we do that enough? We expect people just to come into our church and just immediately feel at home and feel the presence of God and just by walking in off the street, right? That's what we want, at least. We don't want to put in the hard work that it takes because I'm the same way. So what do we have to do? We have to become like Paul. We have to imitate Paul exact, 
We have to understand where people are in their lives. People find the church anymore to be overbearing, right? Or intimidating. Just, it's not in their comfort zone to come here. So what do we have to do? We have to go out and meet them where they're at. So, I have a friend. I work with him. I know he used to go to church. And I know he's been burnt by it a little bit. Actually, a lot. He had a, had had trouble younger, in his younger age. And he doesn't go to church anymore. Doesn't believe in God. But, do I, can I just ask him to come to church and think that he'll show up? No. It doesn't work that way. I, I know if I say something to him about it, that, hey, why don't you just come to church with me? It's a little bit different than what you're probably, what burnt you. So, you know, but that won't work with him. I had to slowly build a relationship, which I have, and I've gotten to the point where I can ask him to come to church, and I have. He hasn't shown up yet, but as long as I keep showing Christ through my life, it, it'll slowly pick away and show him what Christ is, what our church is about, and what our faith is about, even. So, we're going to turn over to your next blank in your worship handout. It says, to be success- successful sun reflectors, we must find a common ground and build trust with people. Paul did this every day. No, no matter what he was doing, he was building trust, finding common ground, looking for a way to bring as many people in to the church and be saved and be ready for when Christ comes back. Whether he was changing his mind to be culturally relevant, so he'd become like a Jew when he's with the Jews. Sometimes he'd become like the Gentiles just to relate with them. And then you got the Roman government, and he can relate with those officials. So we're going to finally come into chapter 10 here. We're going to look at verse 23. It says, You say I'm not allowed to do anything, but not, or I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but everything is not beneficial. So Paul says this uh, a few chapters before in chapter 6, but this time he's kind of twisted a little bit, and he's saying we can do anything that we want, as long as we're doing it for God, you know. But it's not always going to be beneficial for us, or it's not going to be beneficial for someone else. So, 24 says, Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. Paul is wanting to show the connection that we we strive to be, like, lost my words here. So, Paul is trying to say, look, 
You can do anything you want. But is all that stuff going to be beneficial for so that when someone else sees you do it? Are you going to be able to relate better? Or is it going to hurt your ministry when you're, talk, when you're coming? If I lie to somebody, is that going to help somebody, somebody else? Or let's say I struggle with worry, which I do. If I'm constantly talking about what I'm worrying about and just it's focusing on that and not focusing on Christ like I should, someone else that's maybe a new believer or maybe not even still an unbeliever and not and he sees that they go, well, their faith can't be that great. He can't it, church is not good, going to be good for me because if he can't get over it. What says I can get over it? So we're, let's see what Paul says about this. It says in 25, So you may eat any meat that is sold in the marketplace without raising question of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So Paul is talking about buying meat I kind of really had to, I didn't understand I was like first couple times I read over it I was like oh whatever but he's talking to sending a letter to Corinthian to the Corinthians and it was a it's they had pagan temples you know they had other gods that they worshiped and they made sacrifices to and a lot of the meat that wasn't maybe the leftover meat from the sacrifices was sold in the marketplace. So even though this meat was already offered up to another idol, he's saying, "Don't worry about it." So goes on in twenty-seven. If someone who isn't a believer asks you home for dinner, accept the invitation if you want to eat where whatever is offered. To you without raising question of conscience. So, again, he's just telling us, look, make relationships. Don't be scared to go and sit down and with people that other people find bad. Don't be scared to bring them in. Go to their house. Talk to them. Make make conversation. Build a relationship with them. Twenty-eight. It says, "But suppose somebody tells you this meat was offered up to an idol. Don't eat it out of conscience, consideration for the conscience of the one who told you." So, first time I read this, I had to kind of pump the brakes. I was like, "Well, why would it even matter if it was offered up to another idol? I, like, if I pray over it and say." And ask God to bless it. Wouldn't it be the same thing? And I mean, they're just worshiping something that's false, you know, that's not even real. So what does it matter? But he's got a different idea behind it. Like goes on in or goes on in twenty nine. 
It says it might not matter be a matter of conscience for you, but it is for the other person. For why should the freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? So, here he's saying, hey, you got to watch what you're doing. Yes, it might not matter to you that the meat was, he's saying meat. Let's say, say you smoke. Let's say I smoke. And then I have a friend that's trying to just quit smoking. If I just go and smoke right in front of them, is it going to be beneficial for them to, if they see me smoking? Right there talking to him. No, it makes it harder for them to keep keep going on with what they're trying to get better at. It's holding back their issues and bringing them back down. Your next worship handout. It says, in our lives, we are to be encouragers, not stumbling blocks to the people in our lives. So, I have friends... I go through Celebrate Recovery. I've been through Celebrate Recovery, 12 steps and whatnot. And I constantly try and get better on my issues. No matter what it is, sometimes it's not being negative at work for me. I have friends at work that are always negative about everything. You realize how hard it is for me to keep a positive attitude when everyone around me is like, oh, this place is awful, This like, our bosses are jerks and whatnot, which they're just doing their job. But I have to keep a, a positive outlook on my life, but it's hard to do that with somebody that's always being negative to me. So are we that person that's always being negative? Or or am I the person that is holding that, the person that's trying to grow in Christ? I'm just back here and just pulling on the rope, bringing him back down with me, trying to keep him right with me. Do I make this life about me when I should be making it about Christ and helping and encouraging other people? It's not something easy for me to ask. Myself, It's hard for me to even listen to that question, let alone ask myself it. We should be constantly encouraging others because what has God done for us? He is constantly encouraging us and showing us that we can We can grow in Him. And He's trying to get us to grow. Grow. So, we go on in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 30. If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? In 31 it says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So, 31 is one of my favorite verses. I always read it, just the verse, right? We went through mentoring. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Huh. So whether, whatever I want to do, as long as I, as long as it's bettering the kingdom of God, it's, it's good for, 
It's good, right? And that's why I always thought as well, if it's good for me, and it's not hurting the kingdom, what's the matter with me doing it? But, if you read it in full context here, it's got a whole different meaning. And I've completely missed it for this long. It's saying, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do. So we're supposed to be in community with God. When they ate, and when they did stuff, they did it with other people. So in here, he's talking about, hey, whether you eat or drink, don't be a stumbling block. Don't be an encourager for some, just be an encourager for somebody as they go through something. So even though we don't, he's saying, even though we don't find a problem with it or we don't struggle with it, that doesn't mean someone else isn't. And maybe that other person is looking at us for encouragement and we're just missing the whole thing and saying, hey, it's all about me. I can do this if I want. In 32, it says, Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do it what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that, they, that others may be saved. So, Paul, if you read 31 through 33, saying, hey, you might be able to go about your day, no problem, be a little bit negative, but still have a positive outlook on your life. But what if that person that hears you that one time you were negative? Does that help them? Does that encourage them? Help them grow. Verse 1 says, And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. So, come back full circle here. He's being a sun reflector and saying, Hey, we need to be like Christ in our everyday life, as much as possible. We're not going to be perfect. We're still going to fail. We're not, we're not going to be like Christ. We're not going to be positive. We're not going to get through every issue that we have. We're not going to get to that perfection stage until after we pass away. It's just not going to happen. It's, we're too selfish as humans. Again, can you be bold enough to say that? I want to live my life where I can say that. Being like Christ and being so direct and so forward that I can say, hey, it's alright, you can come follow me. My footsteps are right here. Just one step at a time. We can make it through it. And I can help you through it if I want. If you want. It's 
something that's so difficult to do. It scares me. It scares me to have people falling in my footsteps. And soon enough, I'll have a little one following me that is going to act just like me. <laughs> Scary thought. <laughs> so what do, how do I want them to act? How do, do I want them to be immature like I was? Like, I know you're going to have the immature side of a kid, but maybe they can be a little bit better than I was. At least I sure hope so. <laughs> so, your last blank in your worship handout. It says, like Paul, we should strive to be like Christ so much that we can say, copy me. Copy me. Not something easy to say. He used to say when I was a kid, oh, come on guys, let's, let's go do something dumb. And I would be the first one to do it, you know. And then, but I don't want, I want to be like, oh, follow me, but I want to be as quickly as there as possible. But I want it to be good. I don't want them to be coming and following me doing something stupid like I used to. I want to focus on Christ so much. Maybe I'll get better one day at a time. Sometimes it takes moment to moment to even be a little bit better. If we focus on Jesus in our everyday life and live out those live out what he says, there'll be a change. Change in you, change in people around you. Soon enough you'll see a little bit of change in the world. Our attitudes are a direct correlation with that too. Just because you don't know when somebody is watching you. You don't know when somebody has their little eyes on you just seeing how you're going to react to a situation, how you're going to make yourself better. We need to make sure that we live and reflect Christ in our, as we walk through this life. So this week I want to challenge you guys to go go out and be little sun reflectors and strive to be just like Christ and imitate Him as closely as possible. Maybe that's being smiling instead of having a frown on your face at work. Maybe it's saying hi to somebody that you don't normally talk to. But whatever that is, if you just get one step closer 
They'll make a huge difference. We'll pray and then we'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to speak out of your word and that you give me that ability to. Lord, I just pray that we go through this life and through this week, maybe hour by hour, just strive to be like you. Lord, I just thank you for everybody in here. I pray that they just have a wonderful week and striving to be like you and maybe we can be a little bit changed in the world that's so dark today. I pray this all in your son's name. Amen.